We, uh, we're going to kind of, for the service, um, kind of do the message in two different parts, and we're going to take communion here in a minute. Uh, we're going to be if uh, we're going to be reading out of John chapter 14, and we like to read together. Uh, so, if you need a Bible, um, would you raise your hand so the ushers can grab you a Bible so you can read along? We're going to be reading out of the New Living. Keep your hands up, and they will get you one. And then we can we go to the brighter lighting sec- setting so that everyone can read their Bibles. You're welcome. So this portion of scripture has two main parts to it. It has Jesus is the way to the Father, and then it has Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, and we're, we're talking about that. But as we go into communion, if you look um, in chapter 14, verses 1 through 14... It's talking about that Jesus is the way to the Father. And if, you, if we take into context, so at this time, the, the disciples who Jesus is talking to, they've been doing the Last Supper. He already told, told them what was going to happen to him. He already told Peter that Peter was going to deny him. And so they're freaking out because, again, remember that they've served a God that they couldn't see. They've been believing and praying for a Messiah that they would see. But like you and I, it's easy to get to the mindset of this Messiah's coming to make my life better. This Messiah's coming to fight off anything that's coming against me and for, for, for me to experience freedom. But thinking of it more in life, in, in, in um, circumstances, you know, in government and in my job, in, a, in oppression, that kind of thing. So... They finally have the Messiah with them, so they're really excited about that. But he hasn't done what they thought and hoped he would do. And then now he's saying, I'm about to leave. And I'm not going to go out with a bang. I'm not going to drop the mic. And I'm not going to go out victorious holding up the, you know, the belt because I won or holding up the trophy because I won the championship. I'm going to go out being beaten, being mocked, being um, even one of his disciples, one betraying him, one saying he never knew him, that all those things were going to take place. And so here they are freaking out. But what he's trying to say is, you have worshipped my father for years. You now have, have been with me and you're, you're in fear, but I want you to know that I am the way to the Father. He says, so don't let your hearts be troubled. So again, if you think about what he just told them, you could see why their hearts would be troubled. Mine would be. I would be not just troubled, I'd be frustrated. I'd be ticked off. Um, I would feel like, dude, this, isn't, this wasn't the agreement. But don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. They still kind of are seeing the two as separate. They're seeing that there was a God, but here's this Messiah that's like walking with them. They know it's the Son of God, but their brains aren't connecting it. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. I think that's so important, even as we take communion this morning, that you know that there's more than enough room for you. For you. And it's not a cot. 
It's not that uncomfortable hide-a-bed that has a whole bunch of creases in it and hasn't been opened in five years. Yeah. No, he has, there's more than enough room. More than enough is abundance. Yeah. That means it's extra. It's, it, it, it's, I don't know what your favorite mattress is. I remember Tamar and I, we house-sitted for, for some people that went to church here and they had a teenage daughter. And so we had just had Aiden, our first son, and if you've ever wondered why he doesn't think totally straight, this story is going to make it understand. And they had a, was it a Tempur-Pedic? The, you know, the mattresses like memory foam. And man, their bed was literally, it was like four feet off the ground, three and a half feet. I mean, it was the kind of thing where you almost had to jump up. I thought when I saw it, when we walked into their master bedroom, that this thing is lush. Like, so I just took Aiden as one year's. One and a half years old, and I just thought, I'm just gonna chuck him onto this bed, and in that he's just like gonna bounce and he's just gonna giggle and love it. And I had never seen one of these mattresses before, and I just throw him up in the air, and so he's like on his back, and he just comes down, you know, as a one and a half year old, he doesn't know what's going on, but there's gonna be a tad bit of fear in his eyes. But he just hits it, and it's just like this thud. Um, <laughs> Because the mattress didn't give. There was no bounce to it. Um, so the moral of that story is that your, God has a room for you and it has a comfortable bed, okay? It has the perfect thing. How many of you guys are firm mattresses people? How many of you are soft mattress? How many of you are weird and you want to pretend that you get seasick and so you still have a water bed? Anybody? Okay. But there's more than enough room in our father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Kind of like, would I have invited you in? Would I have said, I want to invite you to my house? I want you to come if there wasn't more than enough room. You think I was going to sell out and somehow there's going to be a no vacancy sign? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. So he tells that to him. You know the way. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Any of you ever felt like you had no idea what God was doing in your life? And so you had no idea how to get through the current situation? because you have no idea what he's doing. Jesus told him, I am the way. That means he is the path. He is the truth. He's the promise. He, the fulfillment is in him, and he is the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know my Father is who my Father is. From now on, you don't know him Sorry, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's creating a correlation that this God that you, this God you've been worshiping and you've been pursuing, in knowing me, you now know him. And in trusting in me, you will see him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Any of you here want God to show you something and then you'll be satisfied? Yes. I will believe it once I see it. 
It's in all of us. But a lot of these things, we're going to see it once we believe it. So here's Philip, one of the disciples. He's been with them. Lord, show us the Father, and, and then we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Because I am him. He is in me. I am him, flesh, here on earth. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now, if you're like me, I get confused with all these in me, if you believe in me, through me, in me, in me. I kind of got lost like, you know, like several sentences ago. Here's the gist. Jesus and the, the Son and the Father are one. And if we want to know the Father, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the path. There's not something that we're looking for in the Father that isn't revealed in Jesus. There's not something in Jesus that isn't revealed in the Father. So we aren't looking for something extra. It's actually right there. It's right there, what we're experiencing. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. You know, one of the things is a lot of times we want proof. Billy Graham used to use as an example when people would kind of talk about um, uh, how do you know God is real? He would use the wind. I don't know how many of you have heard him share this analogy, but he, he would say that I have never, I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. We don't actually see the wind blowing. Yesterday, it was blowing. It was pretty nice because it was hot, so it was nice to have a little bit of a Santa Ana breeze kind of flowing through this place. <laughs> but we don't actually see it. But what we do is we experience the effects of it. Man, I, today, I love when we pray for one another. I see the effects of God. Because I see where someone is saying, I'm hurting and someone else is saying, right now in this moment, I was hurting last week, but today I got some faith. So I'm going to come and I want to pray over you. And I want to believe that God is going to do something through you. Yeah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. What does that mean to do greater works? Seems a little bit arrogant that you know, we would do greater works. The idea wasn't that we were gonna perform a miracle that Jesus had never performed. The idea was is that he was limited to a geographic location. We're gonna go into all of the world. We're gonna go into every village. We're gonna go into every apartment complex. We're gonna go into every school. We're gonna go into every business. And we're gonna be able to share his love all, just take this room. If we all go out of here today and we begin to share his love this week and let his light shine through us, think of the effects that that would have. How many more people would be touched by him? You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. For that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. 
Now, that one, again, if you're like me, I can struggle with it because it's like, man, uh, I've asked, anybody here ever asked for something you didn't get it? Okay, there's a lot of things I've asked for. I've had, I'm not joking about these vehicles. I've asked for a lot of vehicles. I'm not a huge boat guy, but I would take one. Um, I have asked for houses. I've asked for pay raises. There's, there's a lot of things I've asked for. It's not saying that anything you just desire. What it's saying is that anything that we ask, Jesus that is in his character, that is in the way he operates, he will give to us. But even as he says here, you can ask for anything in my name. The in my name is, is a hint in that, that it's in his character. It's in his glory. It's in his will. And he will do that so that the son can bring glory to the father. It's for the purpose of glorifying God. Yeah. Let his kingdom come. Let his will be done. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Ushers, if you guys will come forward and begin to pass out the communion elements. So we're going to take communion. Today we wanted to do it in the middle of the service. That it would be something that would be kind of central. Um, but for us to even remember that Jesus is the way. Now, whether you came to Jesus as a kid, anybody here, you basically were born a Christian. You're back, like, you're just, come on, you can be proud of it. It just was kind of the natural way of life. Any who here kind of you were like the teenager conversion, someone invited you to youth group and you went to summer camp. And then who here just kind of you had to fall from the cliff a couple times and let life kind of catch up with you. And it, it snuck up on you and then he revealed himself. You know, it doesn't matter which way we came to him. He is the way. And what's power, what's good for each one of us to do is as we take this cracker and as we take the juice is we remember that he is the way. That in him, we know the Father. And in him, we experience the Father. In him, we find healing. In him, there's every single thing that we need. The, cra the, the, the cracker represents his broken body, that it was broken for us, for each one of us. The juice, me, yeah, I guess that would be helpful if I did have one. Thank you. The juice represents his blood, that it was shed for us. That in our sickness, our disease of sin that wants to destroy our life, that God can come and bring healing. So I think today, you know, this is a day where we try to, when we gather even on special occasions to, we want to honor the occasion, but really the reason we gather isn't to just throw a party for moms, we gather to glorify God. We gather to still walk out of this place changed. We want to do some parting afterwards and celebrate. The other thing is, is we have to remember that as a family, we're not always feeling the same things. This day can be joyous. For me, 
I feel pretty darn blessed. I have my wife in the room, who's the mother to our six kids and does an outstanding job. She loves them. She pushes through with them. She's more compassionate in most areas than I am. I have a couple things on her, but she has the majority. <laughs> I also have my mom who raised me and my four siblings for the majority of our lives as a single mom. After my dad passed, loved us, chose to trust in God and, and pretty much lived off of social security and, and um, a check the church would send us so that she could be there for us and raise us. And to be able to have her attend this church, I'm blessed. But that doesn't mean that's everybody's story here. Tamar and I, there was never difficulty with us having a kid. That means if we had sex, we usually were gonna get pregnant, this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sorry. I caused Skylar to break his communion cup. <laughs> but you know what? There's others where that is a big battle. Skylar, get your act together. I'm trying to talk. For others, it's a big battle. And it's something where they try and they try. And that doesn't happen. Others, women, would love to have kids but have never, you know, never found a, a, a spouse, whatever it is, you had kids and there could be distance between them. And so it's actually, it can have pain in it. Here's the deal, we gotta remember all those things. It doesn't take away, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for all these different things. And you and I have to walk in this dichotomy of these two worlds that in our time of joy, someone else can be grieving. Doesn't mean we neglect our joy and take on their grieving, but also doesn't mean we only live in our joy and we don't understand their grieving. Just because we're grieving doesn't mean everyone should be depressed with us. But also, just because you're grieving doesn't just mean change your attitude and be happy. There can be truth in it. Here's the only thing I know, is that this is the only answer. I don't know how to answer the whys to any of those questions. What I do know is that this is the only answer. It's the only thing I can put my trust in. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Everything else is confusing. I sometimes get caught up and I, I don't, I wanna be happy and, and feel blessed with what tomorrow and I, that, that you know, kids just basically walked out of us. On the other hand, there's a part I had a part in it, Tamar. <laughs> On the other hand, it feels unfair. One hand, I wanna celebrate that my mom's here. On the other hand, it feels unfair. Jesus, you are the way to the Father. And even your disciples, when they saw you, they could touch you, they could hear your voice, they could see what you were doing. Not only did you teach it, but they caught it and they got to experience it. They got to see you in action speaking to groups. They got to see you in action praying for people, but they also got to see you just walk and 
I guess at some time, maybe even get up and say, I'm going to go use the restroom. I mean, Lord, they experienced you. God, today we put our trust in you. Today we take these elements as remembrance of who you were, what you did, and who you still are in our lives. God, I ask by your grace and your mercy that you would help us to lean on you today. Whether for the very first time we came here because our mom said, don't buy me a rose, just show up to church. Or whether we've been coming a whole bunch. Lord, today we all reach out to you. And we say, God, I want to know you. I want to know the Father. I want to experience you. So God, we, we're going to take this cracker in remembrance of your broken body. We're going to take this juice in remembrance of your blood, your shed blood. Not to be gruesome, but to remember that your body had to die so that we could live. God, I say thank you. Thank you that the healthy father and the healthy mother are both found in you. That you reveal yourself through both. God, whether we got to grow up with both of those in a healthy way, help us to see you in that way today. Let's take the elements.
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on Here's some hope. We're singing about living hope. We're singing about Jesus being the living hope. Verse 15, still in chapter 14 of the book of John, Jesus promises Holy Spirit. So remember, here are these disciples. They've been striving after a God, their Father, Yahweh. They've been praying for a Messiah. The Messiah shows up. And then all of a sudden, he's saying he's going to go. But he's promising a Holy Spirit. You know, you and I kind of go to this on the other end of it. What you and I actually experience in us is the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to read, the Holy Spirit was the promise that if you experience the Holy Spirit and you know the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. Right. And Jesus is the Father and is the way to the Father. So you and I don't... Jesus isn't sitting next to you at your, at your work. You don't tangibly see him and feel him. You don't get to hear his voice say all the time because you're walking with him like the discipleship, the disciples did. But what we get is we have the Holy Spirit in us. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another. In the New Living, it says advocate. Your translation you're reading might say the counselor, might say the comforter who will never leave you. There's a promise. He will never leave you. He has never left you. He will never leave you. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Hopefully you follow along on that one. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. What's the point there? Jesus is saying, guys, I'm leaving, but I will never leave you. Because as soon as I go, another one that represents me as I represent the Father, and the Father is in this one, is going to be with you. And this one will never leave you. This one won't be left to one geographic location. This one won't be left to one tangible body. This one will be in every single one of you. Why is that a hope? It's a hope because each of you and me, we can feel like orphans at times. We can feel like we're the only one going through the situation we're going through. We can feel like if I could just see God, if I could just have lived with Jesus, but there's hope. The Holy Spirit is with us. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and, to, and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, the comforter, the counselor, as my representative, that is Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now listen to this part, verse 27 through 29. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Who here could use a little peace of mind and heart? And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You know, when we think of peace, many times we think of the absence of conflict. So usually when we're asking for peace, when we talk about peace, we're talking about the absence of conflict. This peace isn't about the absence of conflict. It actually means that you and I can be in some element of conflict. What it means is that we have a peace of heart and mind because our trust is in God. So our circumstances and our faith isn't based off of what we're experiencing. There could be conflict, but he's coming to bring peace there. Why is this important? Because I think you and I walk around so much and we experience conflict and we think there's an absence of God. But Holy Spirit wants to come and bring this type of peace to each one of our lives. The question is, are we ready to receive it? I don't know which ones of my kids are in here, but I'm going to pretend none of them are. There's a 
couple of them, I've been asking them to pray about something, to find a decision of what they feel God wants them to do. For two months, I've been asking them if they've prayed, and they say no. And I say, why? And they're like, I know what he's going to say. (laughs) God wants to speak to us. Now, I appreciate my kids' faith that they know God will speak to them. I also appreciate that they believe they have a pretty good understanding of his character and what he's going to lead them to. I appreciate their honesty in what they're telling me in that. But here's the deal. God wants to show us. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to abandon us. This isn't a game of, I don't know if any of you were scarred playing hide and go seek as a kid, and, but your friends said they were going to play that game with you, but really they just ditched you. And they never came and sought you out. They're like, we'll just leave Pete in the closet for a couple hours so that we can have a good time. He was really putting a damper on the time. He's not trying to leave you. He's not trying to forsake you. So I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things because they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what my Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, Let's be going. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, the advocate, the comforter, the counselor, whatever you need who will never leave you, will not leave you as an orphan. I hope that as we go about our week and as we go out today, it's kind of a weird vibe in the room, and I apologize. Well, I do apologize. Thank you. No, is, you know, sometimes on a day like this, it's like, you know, I wanted a confetti gun and balloons to come down and all this. But God was doing something. And I don't know what you need. But here's, I just hope that each one of us knows. Number one, Jesus is the way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father other than through the Son. But that we were not left We were not orphaned. We were not abandoned. He sent us the advocate, the counselor, the comforter who will be with us forever, who will never leave us, will never abandon us, and is there with us at all times. And through the advocate, Jesus speaks to us, and we know. Through Jesus' character, we learn the Father, and he's with us, so that we go in confidence in our week, whatever we face, knowing that he's there. That we start to have a little bit of that childlike faith, but it kind of goes the other direction of, I want to pray because I want to hear what God has to say. 
And I want to dig in in that way. Now, we want to close in prayer. And then we got a couple things outside. We got, um, well, tomorrow we'll say what we got here in a minute. But mom, will you come up too? Yep, that one. <laughs> I've had a lot of them in my life, so she just wanted to make sure she was still the one. But <laughs> um, if you are a woman in the house, will you please stay? I didn't say mother, just a woman. If you're just, yes. All women, just stand. And um, I want to first, I want to honor you. Because I want you to know that you represent a very beautiful part of God. You represent, we call God Father. But in that doesn't mean that God operates like all dads. In both of us, male and female, we are both made in his image. As mothers and fathers, we both represent his character and his love and his compassion. And in you is a special piece of who God is that isn't found in others. So I want to encourage you to shine. There's a song I sing with my daughter Lucy called Shine On. I won't sing it for you. It's a little bit high-pitched, so I squeak when I do it, but... But to shine, let who God make you shine. Let it, let it affect those around you. But I want these two to pray for you guys, however you both feel led. Sorry I didn't pre-tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome to City Harvest. <laughs> but I just want to pray over you guys because I know you guys all come from different places and you approach a day like today from different standpoints. And you could be in here and you could be a teenager and so it can feel a little awkward like, am I supposed to be standing or is this for me? This is for, for all of you because it's about God's heart in you. Let's pray. Lord, I want to lift up all the women who are here today. I thank you for each one of them, Lord. I thank you for the way you have created them, each one individually, and all the precious characteristics that you have placed into each one, Lord. Yes. And Lord, I just pray that you bless them, each one, right now, right here today. Bless them with your peace. Yes. Bless them with comfort. Bless them with joy in their hearts. That we have the awesome privilege of knowing you and that you are in us. And as we move and walk through this world, Lord, that we are able to be an expression of you and your love. Amen. God, I just thank you for who you've made us to be. Lord, on this day, I want to specifically ask for those of us that are maybe struggling with our relationships with our moms, that you would show us how to see our mothers in the natural with your eyes. God, I ask that you would show us how to forgive our earthly mothers for, for maybe ways that um, we felt neglected or harmed by them. God, I ask that you would help us to repent and that we would come 
come to you and say, I'm so sorry for viewing my mom this way. Lord, would you show me how to see her so I can honor her and so I can love her. God, I ask for the moms in the room, moms of littles, moms of adult children. The adult kids could be, you know, 60 years old. I ask for every mom in the room, Lord, that you would strengthen them. God, you would give them wisdom and discernment through your Holy Spirit to know what their children need, to not feel like they have to um, give them everything that they need, but to pray into that, to intercede for their children, to um, partner with you, to align with you, and bring about the purposes of God over our kids' lives. Would you help us to do that, Lord? We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your love to come out of us for our children no matter their ages. Lord, we want to see our kids with your eyes. We need to see them not through our frustrations and not through our own pain, but we need to see them fully the way you made them to be. Help us to use our words, our mouths to speak words of life and words of identity over our children, whether they're in our bellies, whether they're five years old or 17 or 72. God, I just ask that um, uh, being a mother is a lifelong calling and that we would not give Give up and grow weary in doing good. We trust you and we need your spirit to guide us. And God, I just ask that by right now, you are the comforter. Your spirit would just cover every woman who has lost a baby. Every woman who now has children but has still lost a baby. Every woman who's lost a, a child or an, an adult child. God, the, the, the people that are still waiting to conceive, Lord, that by your spirit and by your might and by your comfort, that you would bring peace where there's not been peace. Heal us. Heal us completely, God, so that we can represent you more fully. You are so good to us. And no matter what place we're in, we trust you. We trust you. We thank you for who you are. Amen.